episode 32 of the podcast Oddly Adulting. And as of the time of recording, I haven't decided what the name of the episode is yet. So um, it's going to take me a couple minutes to get into the content. So you'll just have to wonder for a couple minutes <laughs> what, what I'm going to talk about. But I'm sitting here in my laundry room studio, um, surrounded by literal piles of laundry. I had to come in here and sort of like um, excavate my little seat that I sit on uh, because we were camping this weekend. And, um, whenever we go camping, we love camping. We have a camper, so it's really more like glamping. Um, we have our own bathroom and everything, but we bring home so much laundry. I don't know how it's possible. I mean, it's probably not more laundry than what we normally produce, but because it's all in one place, it seems like we just have mountains of laundry every time we come back. So, um, but I decided not to let Mount Laundry stand in the way of um, me recording tonight. So, uh, that's what we've been up to. Um, I was trying to think like, did anything happen since the last time I recorded? And, um, not really. (laughs) Just doing the same old thing (laughs) over here. We have been getting out of the house a little bit more. Um, I would say the main thing, the main new thing, I guess, that we've done in the last couple of weeks is that, um, I probably mentioned it before, quote unquote, everything got started. (laughs) I explained that down here in the South, it's not COVID-19, it's everything that's been going on or since everything got started, um, before everything got started and life was normal, um, my kids with two of their best buds, they have these two friends that are boys that are like their, their buds. Okay. There's no, no love interests. These are 12 and eight year old kids we're talking about here. So, uh, hopefully we have a few years before any of that mess starts, but their two best buds live on a farm and, um, they're, um, their parents, their cattle farm, but they have a huge garden plot. And so, um, this past year on new year's Eve, we, um, for the last couple of years, we've gone and spent new year's Eve with them playing games and staying up till midnight. And, um, this past year on new year's Eve, um, the boys parents, which are our friends, obviously I'm making this way more complicated than necessary, but you know, that's sort of my style. Um, told the kids that they'd had this idea that if the kids wanted to take ownership of the garden, um, and play a huge role in the planting and then the tending and then the harvesting and all of that, um, that they could keep whatever money they sold, they, they earned from selling vegetables. So the kids were like, yeah, make money, (laughs) super excited about making money. And then my girls separately were like, yeah, And they have a pool, which means every time we go over there, we can, we can work in the garden and then we can swim. And so I think like in their mind, what they were signing up for was like a summer, like a whole summer's, like a summer long pool party with a side salad, you know, like it's mostly going to be about swimming, but we'll do a little bit of work in the garden. Um, so we are, so, uh, right before everything got started, we got potatoes and onions planted, a couple different varieties of each. And then 
Um, it was, we had to wait cause we had to wait for it to warm up, but those two you get in early. And then, um, just about, I guess a month ago, maybe a month ago when things started to kind of even out and normalize a little bit, um, we went back over and did some more planting and they had done some planting as well, obviously, um, since it's right there in their backyard, but they now basically all of this to say they have a huge garden, a huge garden and the picking has begun and the selling has begun. And so let me just give you all a little rundown on their earnings so far, cause this is, it's hilarious to me. So, um, last weekend on Friday, we went out and, um, they were out of town. So it was just me and me and the girls. So we went and we picked, um, potatoes. I think we had like 52 potatoes, um, like 12 onions, um, like five jalapenos, a cabbage and some green beans. I think that was it. And we set up, uh, Chris's old truck on our lower driveway. We have two driveways. The one goes to the house and then the one goes through our gate and into the backyard and up to the shed or up to the hill or whatever. So we set the truck up, um, set the truck on the lower driveway with a tailgating tent over it so they could have some shade and put a table out and put their stuff out. And then the kids made a sign that said fresh veggies honk for service. (laughs) And they sat at the end of the driveway for almost four hours. And they sold, um, a few things. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a ton, <laughs> um, but they may. And then of course, um, my dad, um, who y'all know the Lone Star dad, Steve, um, Steve and Christy came to visit us that night and, um, they were very generous and they bought some, I think they bought two onions and some green beans and gave them $20. <laughs> so on that day they made 20 bucks. I mean, no, no, sorry, sorry. They made 20, 20 bucks off of that one customer. They made $40. Okay. So that was from what they picked on Friday. Well, then on, we found out that our town was having a, um, the annual farmer's market was starting and, um, the, the farmer's market is on Mondays, which really works out because a lot of times we're gone on the weekends, um, camping and stuff during the summer. So having the farmer's market be on Monday really works out. Well, our friends were still out of town, so we were like, okay, well, we'll try the farmer's market. So we got up at 6 a.m. on Monday, loaded all the stuff up in the truck that we thought we might need for the farmer's market, and my in-laws had come to visit that night. So they had spent the night Saturday night, and they were going to hang out with us on Monday. I'm sorry, Sunday night. They spent the night Sunday night, and they were going to hang out with us on Monday. And so I was like, do y'all want to come with us? And they were up for it. So we, <laughs> we all got up, and we all went over there. And we picked more potatoes and more onions and more green beans and some sugar snap peas and a few more peppers. I think that was it. I think that was all we had that day. And, um, trucked it on over to where the farmer's market was supposed to be. And we get there at like nine 30 and there's one car in the parking lot. <laughs> this guy's selling squash out of the back of his car. And so we're like, okay, well, I mean, at least we know we're in the right place. So we set up and, we're the only two people that come period. (laughs) So it was like the most rinky dinky, rinky dink farmer's market ever. Literally only two farmers set up or two farms represented or whatever, but we sold out (laughs) because everybody that came only had two people to pick from. And so we sold everything we brought and we made $45. So in two two different selling experiences. They made $85 and they just thought that was the best thing ever. So, 
um, today was Monday, and so we did a repeat, second week in a row of the farmer's market, and this morning we got up, 6 a.m., went over, picked the garden. This time, the friends were home, and so um, all the kids picked, and then um, both of us moms drove the kids over there, and then they set their whole thing up, and we sat there kind of off to the side and helped them sell vegetables. And today they made $104. So they are thrilled. Um, it's so funny. They were having, this was like their first experience. You know how like you, you learn, you know, you learn, um, math concepts and it makes okay sense or whatever, you know, like you can functionally, you can functionally do the math for your math lessons or your math homework or whatever, but then you get into a real life situation and suddenly it's like your brain overloads. So this is totally their experience under the tent today where it's like someone would be like, okay, I want this, this, and this. And they'd be like, okay, that's a four seventy five, And then the person would hand them a $20 bill <laughs> and you could see the panic, like all the color would drain out of their faces and they'd be like, okay, um, so you need some change and, um, how much did you give me? $20. Okay. Um, so four seventy-five, and they'd be standing there. And so our two oldest, so my oldest and then her oldest, my friend Jennifer's oldest, um, they'd be looking at each other and they'd be like, I don't, I don't know how much it is. Do you? And the other one would be like, I don't know how much it is. And they'd be standing there trying to figure out people were so patient with them. It was so sweet. But what was hilarious, the best part was that one of the people that came up was, a former coworker of mine. Oh, there's the train. Um, that one caught me off guard. I didn't hear it coming. Oh, it's kind of a rude train. Gracious. <laughs> um, hello. Okay. Um, so one of my former coworkers that lives in town, he actually still teaches, um, at the school where I taught in the the first year that I was teaching, I taught seventh grade and he taught across the hallway. Also seventh grade, he taught math. So <laughs> watching them try and make change for my former coworker math teacher was like kind of a panic inducing moment, really. As a homeschool parent, you're always a little like, Ooh, when the kids get out in public, um, especially if there's, cause strangers like to quiz the kids about stuff. Like they'll be like, I mean, it always starts with, where, don't you have school today? And then the kids will be like, oh, actually, we're homeschooled. And then they'll be like, oh, what grade are you in? And then the kids will inevitably look at me and go, what grade am I in? And it's like, okay, really? <laughs> what, am I going to have to start requiring y'all to memorize this at the beginning of the year so we don't have this awkward conversation every time? And then they just randomly start quizzing them on stuff like, what are you learning in math? And the kids are like, um, you know, math. And I'm pretty sure I've told this story already, but I'm going to tell it again because it warms my heart. We went to a, like, um, club meeting. It's sort of like Girl Scouts, but it's something different um, that was going on here locally to try it out to see if it was something we'd be interested in doing. And um, the lady that was teaching the five-year-old group said to my five-year-old, so what are you learning in school? And she goes... Mostly Longfellow. <laughs> I was like, yes! English teacher goals. Oh, it was so awesome. Um, and she really was learning Longfellow. We happened to, uh, part of our homeschool curriculum, we do something called um, morning time. Every At the beginning of every school day, we start with, um, it rotates through the days. 
uh, one day of the week, it's an artist study, then a composer study, then a poet, aka Longfellow for that year for her. And oh, what's the other one? Oh, fables or hero tales or mythology or something. There's some sort of book. Like one year we did um, American Tall Tales. And so we read a tall tale every week. And then a hymn study. But to be honest, we don't usually do the hymn study. Oops. I don't school five days a week. Um, this is a total another aside. I'm going on so many rabbit trails tonight. I don't, we don't sit down and do school five days a week. I schedule our school week for four days of sit down work. And then I leave the fifth day for us to do all of our extracurricular type stuff. So we do something every other week called forest school, uh, which is like natural science learning type stuff about where we go out and we meet at this nature preserve area in town. And we study different things like it might be trees or seeds or, um, insects or worms or whatever. And then we do art lessons and piano lessons and um, our farm friends, we do gardening with them. They also let us groom the horses, um, that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, the hymn study is always on day number five and I don't do day number five because I do it all in four days. So anyway, that was information you probably didn't care about. But um, as an aside to the aside, I do intend to talk more about homeschooling. I don't know if that's anything anyone is interested in hearing, but, um, I like talking about it. So I probably will at some point, but, uh, I kind of haven't known like what would be an interesting thing to talk about. You know, I know I've given you guys like a slice, a, a slice in the, or a day in the life, you know, uh, sort of thing. But when I come up with some more like, um, well thought out approach to it. I will talk about homeschooling. So stay tuned for that. But anyway, that's really the garden and the selling of the things from the garden, the harvesting, the garden and the selling the things from the garden. That's really the only new thing I can think of that we have done since the last time I recorded. Um, we've just been kind of on wash, rinse, repeat over here and it maybe kind of looks like that's how it's going to continue. I don't know. Um, there's been plenty of things in the news that I could talk about, but, um, I'm not going to talk about the news. We all get enough news, you know, like one of the podcasts I listen to is six hours a week and it's all about the news. And so it's like, after I've listened to six hours of podcasts a week about the news, I don't really want to talk about the news, but, um, I do have something I want to talk about tonight and it is probably, um, a topic. I mean, I think most people don't mind hearing about people's pets, right? Um, not everybody has pets. Not everybody wants pets. I actually am in the didn't really want pets category personally, but, um, pet stories are fun. So I'm going to tell some pet stories, but I'm going to start. I don't want anyone to be, um, shocked or surprised at the end of this because I don't want a gotcha moment at the end of it. Uh, but you may have noticed in the last two episodes that a certain someone is missing from the background. And that is because our little podcast interrupting pupper, sweet olive dog, uh, went to the happy hunting ground a couple months ago. And um, I'll talk about that a little bit 
more as I get into talking about pet stories and things like that. Um, but it was something that happened fairly early on during quarantine and with everything that was going on, quote unquote, everything going on. It was just such a, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to talk about it. It's so, I'm going to admit, like, I was so torn up. I was so torn up about losing her and it was completely unexpected. Now, if you asked my husband or my kids, did they think I was going to be absolutely wrecked when Olive's time came? Yes, they completely foresaw that coming from a mile away. I, however, did not. I was completely caught off guard by it. So, um, but I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about her specifically and other pets, um, that we've had. And then I have a story, uh, from my childhood that I'm going to tell, which is a pretty good one. Um, so that, like I said, when I started the podcast, I have yet to, I haven't figured out what I'm going to name this podcast, but it's about pets. Okay. So there's the teaser. Um, and I haven't put too much thought into this. I'm going to kind of try and go by memory, but my family has always been a dog family and Chris's family has, they've always been dog people. So I don't have any cat stories to tell other than the fact that I'm allergic to cats and cats seem to know that they, you know how like dogs always know which person doesn't like dogs and they go and try and sit with that person. Same with cats. It's like all cats know I'm allergic to them. And so they try and come and rub on me and stuff. So, um, I don't really have any cat stories to tell, but I have a few dog stories. So, uh, in, in my lifetime, I've had something like, speaking of being bad at math, I guess I could have written this down. Um, but I've had, I've probably had like seven or eight dogs in my life. Let me see if I can do some math here for a second. Let's see. If we count the dog that my parents had when I was born, that was Rusty. Rusty was the dog they had when I was born. Um, let's see. We had Rusty. Then we had... Uh, Panda, then Dixie and Scarlet, <laughs> and then when Chris and I got married, we got a dog named Oscar, and then, uh, let's see, I guess Olive is the next one after that. How many was that? Half a dozen? Eight, seven, something like that. Um. But for the last 12 years, there's really only been Olive. Now, I say that, but two times in a moment of weakness, I thought that maybe we would be, maybe having two dogs would be a good decision for our family. And um, one time was when uh, we found a lost puppy and we tried to get in touch with the Humane Society and all that. You know, I called a couple of vet offices and asked, like, did anybody have... Um, had anybody heard of a missing dog or whatever? I did, I, I did try to see if I could find an owner. Um, but after like three days of this dog, I was like, okay, I can't have a puppy. I can't have a lost puppy. Lost puppies are, it's not going to work for me. So I was able to find a rescue that adopted her and rehomed her. Um, and then there was another time where a local person that I knew who, who does like dog rescue stuff, um, had this older lab dog that, um, needed a home. Its owner had passed away and this dog just needed, you know, like a retirement home. And so I, I said, this was my mistake. (laughs) I said in front of the children, Oh, wouldn't it be fun to have an older dog that just like laid around everywhere? And they were like, Oh, 
I want a dog that sleeps at the foot of my bed. Would the dog sleep at the foot of my bed? And I'm like, I mean, probably. I don't know. I mean, it probably would. And so then I like start chatting with the lady and she's like, oh yeah, this dog would definitely sleep at the foot of their bed. All this dog does is sleep on the couch, you know? And I was like, oh, it would be so cute. And so stupidly, I was like, give us the dog. But thankfully, know, know thyself. You know how they say like, know thyself? I knew myself and I knew that I was going to have a panic attack like after a day of having this dog and realized that like I don't actually want pets. I don't want any pets. I don't want a second dog. I'm not a, I'm not a two dog person. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And so I had already worked out an arrangement with that lady that if I got the dog home and had a panic attack about it, would she take the dog back? And she said she would. So I think that dog lasted like 48 hours at our house. And I felt terrible. I felt like so guilty Um, and also relieved when I gave the dog back. So anyway, like I said, Olive has been our one and only, our one true love for the last 12 years. Um, and she lived with us. She wasn't with us for the whole 12 years, but pretty close because she was actually my sister's dog. She started out, um, my sister got her, I think when she was... Let's see. What year was it? Well, okay. So let me back up. Olive was born on my oldest daughter's due date. Same year and everything. So she was born on November 10th, 2007, which was the day I was due. And, um, the baby came five days later. So Olive and my oldest were only five days apart. And so they kind of grew up together. They were like babies together and they grew up together. But, um, my sister, it was my, she was my sister's dog to start with and, um, lived with my sister for at least the first year. It might've been closer to two years. And then my sister, um, went on a study abroad program for a summer or a semester. I can't remember which one, but she needed somewhere for the dog to stay for a couple months. And I was like, sure. So I'll, yeah, I can keep her for a couple months. So Olive came to live with us and, uh, and that was all she wrote (laughs) pretty much. And so, um, so she did end up living most of her years with us, but so funny. Um, every time my sister would come around, she would freak. Like she knew my sister was her real mom like her original mom. And she would just like bark, 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 like crazy, you know, like wiggle around crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, so she had a lot of personality. So I'm going to read, I figured the easiest way to do this rather than just rambling and trying to remember specific stories, I, I figured what I would do is I would just read the tribute that I wrote about Olive um, that I put on Facebook when, um, cause I was sort of like doing a, uh, I don't know, photo essay, you might call it for when we started going into quarantine. And so every day, because I wanted to remember it, you know, I really enjoy using that, the memories function on Facebook where you can look back on that day in history. I love like the stay in history type stuff in general. I think that's really a really cool way to mark the passing of time. But, um, so I have, when it all started, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try and like post something that we do every day. Cause I don't post every day on Facebook. I'm on Facebook every day, but I don't post every day. And I thought I'm going to post something 
I'm going to try and post something every day just so I can like look back on what did we do during this weird, crazy time. And so, um, it was day 14 of quarantine that Olive's time came. And so, um, this is what I wrote when I, and I, what I did is I went back on my computer and I looked at, and I, I pulled together a bunch of pictures, um, from like, you know, Olive's, I even have a picture of baby, baby Olive at Christmas, like puppy Olive with my baby who at that point in time was only like six weeks old. So, so Olive was only like six weeks old and my sister has a really bad habit of picking up dogs too early. Like just, I love my sister, but this is, and she knows, she knows she does this. Like, this is not a secret. She, she picks them up too early and it makes them weird. (laughs) It makes them weird. Her current dog is so weird. And they did the same thing. They picked the dog up too early. But, um, yeah. So anyway, baby Olive, I have pictures going all the way back to when Olive was like a six week old puppy. So, um, so I put together a little like photo collection and this is, this is what I wrote. This was the little tribute that I wrote about Olive. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm going to cry during this, but if I do just like, it's fine to laugh at me. It really is because like I said before, nobody was more surprised about how wrecked I was, um, when Olive was gone. So here we go. How many pictures of my dog would you guess I have on my phone? A rough estimate would be one to redeem every time I said I regretted pet ownership. For the better part of the last decade, a sweet little brown dog named Olive was part of our family. My sister Lauren did the hard work of house training a dachshund puppy and then left her with me, quote, for the summer while she studied abroad in Germany. A few years later, when Olive was still living at my house, I guess she was now my dog. Olive chose me as her human and has been my little shadow ever since. She's gotten up with me in the middle of the night with crying babies and kept me warm during long clothes folding sessions on the couch. She has protected my kids from babysitters by stationing herself outside their door and alerted me to many varmints, both indoors and outdoors. The only person she ever bit was Chris, and between you and me, he deserved it that one time. She was a nutty dog, a little on the neurotic side, as dachshunds are, but her pesky ways were tempered by her loyalty. She was a social eater and trained the kennel employees to come stand by her run and watch her eat so she wouldn't go hungry when she stayed there when we were out of town. She was a little bit petty and would dump her food bowl out when we would leave her in the laundry room at home for a few hours. She was a pro at covering herself up with her own blanket, and I have many hours of video footage that I took because of how entertaining it was to watch. One time, she came in the house with a bat hanging off her collar, and we still have no idea how that came about. She did love to play fetch, but we didn't figure that out until she was like eight years old. After we moved to our current property, she did an annual rumspringa and went wandering for several hours every year, making us think she was lost for sure. But she always came back. She was 12 years old, born on November 10th, 2007, which also happened to be the day I was due with my first baby. She and that baby have grown up together, and it's one of the most unfair things that just when my teenager could use a loyal friend, Olive had to go. She was sick, and it was time, but it was a very sad day indeed. She was the best dog I never even knew I wanted. I did it without crying. Yay. (laughs) 
So, Sweet Olive Dog eventually got uh, sick and went into kidney failure. And that was what ended up happening. And when I called the vet, I had been taking her to the vet once a week leading up to uh, quarantine starting. And I just knew the morning when she woke up her last morning, I just knew that it was the last morning. You know how sometimes you just have that feeling? And I called the vet and I said, you know, she's really in bad shape. What, what can we do? And the vet said, well, you know, I could, you could bring her here and we could hospitalize her and I could do this and I could do that. And we could try this and we could try that. And she said, but because we have, because of quarantine, you wouldn't be able to come visit her and she would just have to be here. And I don't know if it would help or not. And I just, I could not stand the thought. I could not stand the thought of taking her there and leaving her there and maybe like not being able to come back and get her ever, you know, it just was too much. And I don't know if that was the right call to make or not, but we spent the last day with her and, um, my sister called and, um, did FaceTime. (laughs) That was one of the, one of the funniest things, like most, most interesting use of technology, you know, bittersweet, like her calling and FaceTiming the dog to say goodbye. But, uh, but me and my oldest daughter, we took it, we took it the hardest. And, um, she and I just like, we just cried all day. And every time we looked at each other, we'd start up again. And so then she'd have to like go in another room and collect herself. And I'd have to go in another room and collect myself. And then we'd like bump into each other in the kitchen and start crying again. And we were just pitiful y'all. We were so pitiful. And it just reminded me so much of the fact that like, pets really do become family. You know, even if you don't want a pet, like I have said so many times in the last 12 years, pets are the biggest hassle. I regret pet ownership every day. Don't get a dog there. It's terrible. You know, you get attached and they're expensive and you have to, you know, you have to take them somewhere when you go out of town. Like, but oh my goodness, when it came down to it, I loved, I loved that little brown dog. She was a little rotten dog. And I could tell so many stories. I mean, she was so petty, like so petty. Okay. Every time, every time we would go out of town, um, she was horrible at traveling. She did not like traveling. Um, she, she was good in the car. Thankfully she wasn't like a car crier or like a car puker, but she was just so nervous. (laughs) Anytime we took her anywhere new, she would just spend the whole time like panicked and just like shaking and looking around. And so she never, she did not enjoy traveling. So she was not a good camping dog. Um, we took her camping exactly one time and I was like, I'm never doing that again because she was just nervous. Uh, she was just a wreck the whole time. And so, so we would, we got, we got really lucky when it went, when we moved to our current house, um, five years ago, I discovered that there's a kennel like less than a mile from the house. Um, and it's out, you know, a country lane, like it's pretty, it's a pretty nice little kennel. In fact, the guy who owns the kennel, his dog won the, um, the big dog show, the Thanksgiving Day dog show two years ago. So it's, it's a, it was a good place. Okay. So, and I think Olive actually even like, I think she a, a little bit enjoyed going there once she got used to it and it became a familiar place. Cause like I said, like she trained the kennel employees. They knew she would not eat unless they came and stood there, um, and watched her. And so they would, they'd like come stand by the kennel. And so she would eat. So anyway, um, she was fine 
going to the kennel, but she was always so mad at us when we picked her up. And I, I don't know if it was because we picked her up. Like maybe she enjoyed being at the kennel and she didn't want to come home or maybe she was mad because we left her. I'm not sure which one, but we would always joke about like, depending on how long we were gone, you know, if it was only like one night or two nights, we'd be like, oh, well, this will probably only cost us like two pairs of underwear because Olive had this super gross petty habit of stealing the, well, anyone's underwear, actually, not just the kids' underwear, of stealing underwear out of laundry baskets and just chewing them up and leaving them under my bed. And the, I didn't discover this for a long time. And when I finally discovered the mountain of chewed up underwear under there, I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder this is where all the underwear has been going. Like, I've been wondering, where does this, where does the underwear go? But anyway, she even, like, she, she had, she would steal people's underwear, like, some of my friends, like, guests, you know? Like, people that come to, like, visit, their underwear would go missing, and I'd have to be like, I am so sorry. It's probably my weird petty dog stealing your underwear. So, anyway, she, she was a mess. She had so many funny little quirks. Um stealing underwear was only one of them. One week she got really mad at Chris and I, I can't remember what he did. Um, he thought it was funny to like try and sneak up on her and scare her and stuff cause she was so neurotic, but, um, she got super mad at Chris and she ate, I'm not even kidding you guys. She chewed up 12 pairs of his underwear in one week, <laughs> like almost faster than he could go through them. It was insane. But anyway, she was a very sweet little dog. She was a very special part of our family. And I realized, I don't know if I've mentioned this specifically, um, when I've talked on the podcast, but like with us being a stay at home family, so Chris works from home, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, work from home, whatever, homeschool mom. And then the kids always are home cause they're homeschooled. I thought that I thought everybody in the house follows me around all day every day. That's what it feels like. feels like anytime I go to another room, someone follows me and is talking at me. You know, I go in the bathroom, someone comes in there. Like I thought, I thought that it was everyone following me around all day. Well, the day after Olive died, well, we had to put her down. She didn't die. We put her down, but it's all the same. The day after she was gone, um, I realized that it's really only Olive that would follow me around. And I was so sad. (laughs) I cried all day. (laughs) I cried all day when I realized that it's, it's actually not everyone that follows me around. It's really just Olive. Like only Olive would follow me around. (laughs) It was very hard to get used to being alone all the time. (laughs) So anyway, um, we did have to say goodbye to our sweet olive dog in the middle of quarantine, which frankly was really poor timing because we were home all the time. It seemed like I'm seeing all these pictures of people online showing all their, you know, our dog is loving us being home. And so it was like a little bit hard. It was kind of like a little bit of, you know, a little bittersweet to, to, to see all of these other people enjoying all of this time at home with their dog. I mean, we're always home with Olive. So like she never lacked an attention from us as long as we were not out of town, but, um, it was kind of a rough time. And then I discovered I had this, I'm having like the opposite 
experience. And this was what finally, this weekend when we were camping, this was what finally turned my brain on to being like, okay, I'm ready to do the, I'm ready to do a, uh, an episode about, about Olive and about pets and whatever. Um, is that, you know how I'm having the opposite of what normally happens. So what normally happens is like, think about when you get a new car. Okay. The day before you get the car, no, no cars in particular on the road really stand out to you. Right. Then as soon as you get a car, what happens? You see cars, you see your car everywhere. You're like, oh my goodness, that look at all these people driving my car. You see them all over the road, right? So I'm having the opposite experience. Now that I have no dog, I see dogs everywhere. <laughs> and campgrounds are, are like full of dogs. I mean, I, f- I felt like at one point in the campground on Saturday night when the campground was completely full, which by the way, just in case anyone is wondering, um... The South apparently thinks that COVID is over. <laughs> so don't be surprised if you get here and you and you notice that like everyone's just going about normal business. That's what everyone is doing down here now. So don't be surprised. Um, the campground was completely packed out, not an empty spot in the whole place. And I swear to you guys, I swear we were one of only like three families without a dog. And so everywhere we went, we're like, oh, look at that dog. Oh, look at that dog. Oh, look at that dog. And so Saturday night, I'm sweeping my rug in front of my camper and this little chihuahua, little white chihuahua comes out from under the camper next to us. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you're so cute. You know, and I'm like, I don't know this dog. I don't know if this dog's a safe dog or anything, but whatever. I'm just letting him throw caution to the wind. And so, and chihuahuas can be mean. I know this, but... I was like, this dog is so cute. And it reminds me of my friend, y'all know her, Nazarene's dog. Nazarene had, at one point in time, she had three dogs named Tupac, Biggie Smalls, and Missy Elliott. (laughs) And Missy was missing a leg. She had only three legs. That's why they called her Missy because she was missing a leg. But Missy was a little white chihuahua just like this dog. And so I'm like overcome with nostalgia for sweet Missy dog. Missy was my favorite of the three when she was alive. So I'm like, oh, you're so cute. And so this dog comes over and I'm like, come here, puppy. Let me see you. And so I'm like petting her and she's like back in her rump up to me, like scratch me some more. I like that. And she's being so sweet. And then I hear this, this like little girl's voice and she goes, grandma, somebody's petting Layla and she ain't biting them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a biter. Oh, and I said, oh wow, is is she normally a biter? Yeah, normally she bites people, but I guess she really likes you. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've been blessed. <laughs> Sweet Layla chose not to bite me. How nice. So anyway, uh, now we're having the opposite experience. Now that we don't have a dog, uh, I'm seeing dogs everywhere. So I, I, I cannot let this podcast finish without telling you a story. And I'm, I'm telling a story on grandpa, Steve, Lone Star Dad, um, as much as I'm just telling the story. Okay. So this is, this is probably one of my favorite, (laughs) my favorite memories as an adult, (laughs) like to date. Okay. So I tell this story because I love it. Not because I'm trying to get anyone in trouble. (laughs) So let me preface that. Okay. So before I can tell you that story, I have to tell you this story. When I was in, uh, let's see, 
I was six. So I was in first grade. Okay. When I was in first grade, I came home from school and my dog was missing. We had a dog. My family has had dachshunds all through the years. Okay. So Olive was a dachshund. We had Dixie and Scarlet, which were both dachshunds. We had Panda, which was a dachshund. And then, but the very first dachshund that we had was Max. Okay. And so when I lived in Texas, um, we had this dachshund named Max. So I came home from school and Max wasn't there. And I was like, where's Max? And my mom's like, well, um, listen, it's time for, it's time for a bath. Let's take, let's take a bath. And I'm like, I don't want to take a bath. I want to talk about Max. She's like, come on, let's take a bath. So she puts me and my brother in the tub together. So I'm six and he's four and we're in the tub. And she's like, well, guys, you know how, um, you know, sometimes Max like runs away from me and I have to, and I have to chase him down and I have to catch him. And we're like, "Uh uh-huh. And she's like, well, today he got away and I, I couldn't catch him. And we were like, what? And she's like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I tried, I really tried, but like he got away from me and I couldn't catch him. And, and I had your baby sister there, you know, and I couldn't just like run away from her. So, so my sister's one at the time, right? Or brand new, newborn, whatever. And, uh, we're like, what do you mean? He's missing. And they're like, she's like, yeah, yeah, he ran away. I'm really sorry. (laughs) And we just like the dam broke and we bawled. I mean, I can remember, I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe I'll ask my therapist, but, uh, my, my memory of this moment is just like being in the tub. And so I'm already wet. And I don't know if that was mom's plan, like put them in the tub. So they're already wet when their tears start to fall. (laughs) But I just remember like sitting in the tub and already being wet and then just tears just coming and just sobbing and just like snotting on myself, you know, and like looking down and seeing tears hitting the water. Oh my goodness, we cried. We cried our faces off. And then, like, that was it. Like, Max was just gone. So, a couple weeks later, come home from school, and my mom's like, Look, look at this. This is amazing. And she's showing me a newspaper article about a little brown dachshund dog who stars in movies in Hollywood as a stunt dog. And she's like, Max ran away to Hollywood. He's famous now. And I was like, that's so cool. I'm going to take this for show and tell at school. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, sure. Okay. And so I sure enough did march myself to school. (laughs) And when it came time for show and tell, does anyone have anything for show and tell? Me, I do. I have a newspaper article about my dog that ran away and got famous in Hollywood. Okay, so y'all can probably see where this is going from a mile away, but I am gullible, okay? I was a gullible child. I remain a gullible adult. I'm rather naive. It's hard for me to tell when I'm being maybe deceived. (laughs) It has to be really obvious sometimes. So... As a child, I accepted without question the statement of of proof that this newspaper article provided that my dog had indeed run away and ended up in Hollywood. Okay, now I lived in Texas at the time, so it had to run all the way to California, and I guess I didn't understand geography or whatever, but anyway, in my mind it was settled the dog had ran away to Hollywood. 
Now, as I got older, I thought, okay, well, I'm sure that dog didn't run away to Hollywood. That was just a story, but it probably just ran away, right? Okay, so I didn't forever believe that the dog ran away from Holly- to Hollywood, but definitely in the moment, I did. Okay, so let's do some math. Uh, about 20 years later, um, after the dog running away to Hollywood incident, about 20 years later, my sister and I are sitting in a um, rehab hospital room with our dad, who thankfully survived being hit by a car while riding his road bicycle. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast at all. That's a whole story in itself. Maybe sometime, maybe that's what um, me and Lone Star Dad have been talking about what our next podcast topic should be. And maybe I will... Maybe I'll have him tell the story of getting hit by the car, but he got hit by a car while riding a road bike. Cause he does, he, um, up until the last several years, um, would, uh, train for and do triathlon. So he would swim, bike and run. And so he was out biking, road biking and, um, got hit by a car and it laid him out on the pavement. Thankfully he had a, a helmet on and everything, but he did end up being in the hospital with a traumatic brain injury. And, um, he spent, um, about 10 days in like an intensive care sort of situation and then was moved to a rehab hospital. And he was in the rehab hospital for, I think it was about a month. And then he came home and was doing outpatient therapy for another like two months. So the whole, the whole like acute phase was about three months. But at at this particular point in time where the story is, I'm telling you, and also he has fully recovered now. So that's the end of that's spoiler alert. That's the end of that story. But, um, in this particular moment in this, in his traumatic brain injury recovery, we are at the rehab hospital. And so my sister was home from college for the summer and, I had moved home. I was living overseas when it happened. Chris and I were living overseas. It was during our year in Croatia. And um, I just flew home when I found out what happened. We didn't really have any details. It was hard to get details. And so I just flew home and was like, well, we'll just see what happens when I get there. So I ended up staying and being like kind of his um, caretaker as far as like I could be on call to run all his errands and stuff because I didn't have a job. I wasn't in college, whatever. So, but my sister and I, would go up there and visit. Um, after she moved home from college for the summer, we'd go up there and visit him like every day during visiting hours. So we were there during visiting hours. And he remember this, he's only like two or three weeks out from this traumatic brain injury. And so occasionally, you know, one of the things that was affected was his speech. And he would just sort of like, he would get his words mixed up or he would go off on long tangents about stuff or whatever. But he was at this exact moment in time, we thought he was asleep. <laughs> so listen to how mean this was. He, um, they were making him be in a wheelchair because he was a fall risk. They were afraid that if he fell and hit his head again, you know, he, his injury would get worse. And so, um, so he was in his wheelchair napping, like sitting up and <laughs> my sister and I had climbed in his bed. And we were laying in the bed because I was pregnant and I was, you know, tired and whatever. And so we were laying in the bed and we were just chatting back and forth about stuff. And, and I brought up out of nowhere, I was like, oh man, remember that? Well, you probably don't remember because you were a baby, but like we had a dog when I was in elementary school 
and, and I came home from school one day and the dog was gone and mom told me he ran away. And then a couple weeks later, she showed me this newspaper article and she told me that the dog like ran away to Hollywood or something. And Lauren was like, oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard that story or whatever. Well then out of nowhere, it's like dad just like comes to, and he's like, that dog didn't run away. Your mother took that dog and had it put down while you were at school because she didn't like the way it looked at the baby. And I was like, what? (laughs) So Lauren's like, what? And I'm like, you were that baby. And she was like, what? (laughs) We were like, dad, no, seriously. He's like, yeah, I thought you knew that. We're like, this is totally new information. My gosh, our minds were blown. Like, that's how, that is how, I mean, y'all probably saw that coming a mile away and you don't even know, like, the intimate details of the story. Oh my gosh. It still to this day is one of the funniest things that has ever happened. Like, I was like, dad, you just, are you kidding me? Like, you just blew the lid off of one of, and he's like, oh, sorry, I thought you knew. And then he just like conked back out and went back. Oh my gosh. It was one of those, it was just one of those moments like on par as memorable as coming home and my mom telling me that the dog had ran away and gotten famous in Hollywood. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Here comes the train again, by the way. Um, so anyway, um, things were different for my children They are not under the impression that our dog has ran away or has gotten famous in Hollywood. They know exactly where Olive is. And uh, we made a nice little resting place for her in the backyard with a headstone and all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, they won't have any funny stories to tell about it later when they get to adult age. But um, all things considered, it has, again, surprised me how attached I remember being attached to my pets as a child and, you know, thinking as I was preparing for when I knew that Olive was coming to the end of her life, I was so concerned. I remember being so sad when we would lose a pet as a child. And so I, I was so concerned about my kids and trying to ease that transition for them. And in the end, I was the one who cried for two days straight. So there's some irony for you. Um, I was pretty gullible and naive to think that the kids were going to be the most upset about it when Olive had been my little friend and my little shadow for the last 12 years. So I hope that I did a good job memorializing her. Um, and you guys got to meet her for, I think what, 29, 29 or 30 episodes. She was in the background doing something, some sort of nonsense back there. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that she had passed and that's, that's why she's not in the background anymore. I'm not just being mean and making her stay in a crate in the other room. Um, but I am going to, um, share, hopefully I should be able to go get it tomorrow, but, um, to wrap all of this up about all of, I was trying to think of something, um, that I could do to, um, memorialize her in our family. And we have pictures and stuff in, um, in photo albums and things, but I had the idea that I could ask their art teacher if she would paint 
a picture of Olive for us um, to hang somewhere. I might hang it in their room. And so she let me know that it's ready and I can pick it up tomorrow. So um, I'll probably post a picture of that after I pick it up tomorrow. I'll probably use that to make the cover art for um, a, the post uh, that whatever post I put on Instagram about this episode. So as usual, I have talked for much longer than I thought possible. Um, about my pet, my sweet, dearly departed pet. And I hope you got a chuckle about the story about Grandpa Steve. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, Dad. (laughs) I think it's common knowledge now. I think everybody has heard the story because I've told it enough times to the people that we know in person. But anyway, um, I enjoyed getting to ramble about that. So that's the end for this particular time. I'm going to say what I usually say, uh, which is that you can find me on Instagram at oddly adulting. You can email me oddly at gmail.com. You can donate to the podcast if you want to. Um, you can go to the website oddly and there is a big old donate button that takes you straight to PayPal. And, um, I mentioned on the last episode, I am, uh, scheming and dreaming of some equipment that will enable me to do, um, two way, like two person conversations with someone who is not physically located here. So, um, there's some equipment that I need in order to do that with high quality because honestly, it's miserable trying to listen to low quality audio on a podcast. Um, it just doesn't, it's not something I want to listen to. So I don't want to put anybody else through that. So, uh, that is why I have not attempted to do like a phone, like a phone call in, um, type thing. So, but, uh, I have located and started, um, familiarizing myself with the equipment that I would need to be able to do that. So, if you donate to the podcast, that's probably what it'll get spent on. Um, or it'll get spent to keep the lights on. And so, um, I appreciate so much anytime anybody throws some dollars my way and just, you know, whatever it was worth to you, if it was worth, um, a cup of coffee or a meal, some takeout, you know, if it gave you more entertainment, hopefully it was more entertaining and less traumatizing than the last dog movie that you rented from Netflix. Am I the only one who is constantly traumatized by dog movies? Like I can watch a movie with people murder and not cry, but if a dog is in peril, I am sobbing. Like they don't even have to die. They just have to be in peril. Like, um, what is that one that was from my childhood? Oh, what is it? Um, oh, it's the dog. It's the one with, um, with chance and shadow and sassy. Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. Oh my goodness. Never cried so much in my life. Okay. Well, anyway, um, that's all I have for you. And, uh, you know what I'm going to say? If you made it all the way to the end of this, I love you. And Jesus does too.